I wasn't here for that last song you guys covered. There was no way you guys were going to be able to talk about any of that stuff with any sensitivity or grace. I really dodged a bullet. Now, who are we covering today? Uh, Talking about Charles Manson. Steve? Steve, where are you going? Steve, come on. No, Steve... He's walking out the door. Wow, he is committing to this. He has actually left the room. Steve! Oh, what a drama queen! Well, ah, uh, you know we didn't King have him, we didn't drama. have him for last week. We're not having him for this week, I guess. He just can't handle the hot topics. Oh wait, I think I hear oh, something. Ah, uh, oh, he's back! There he is. Oh, there he is. He was just throwing us for a little loop there. I'm only here because Mike pickpocketed my wallet on the way out. <laughs> he learned from the best, Charles Manson, who we. <laughs> Who we're going to be discussing on this week's episode, Steve is leaving again, of the Songtopsy Report, where we dissect, in this case, bad, bizarre, and otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. And boy, does that take on a different meaning on this week's episode. I had to come Um, back because Nick stole my pants. (laughs) They're just so comfortable. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm free swinging, no pants, Steve Trollinger. (laughs) Steve, you also apparently took a note from this week's subject material. Yes. Oh, man, the only thing that could make this whole not-wearing-pants experience better is a, as a stiff blast of desert air on my nether regions. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, uh, a group of, uh, like, ten commune women. Oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week is a very special episode. This is probably going to be the most scholarly episode we've done. <laughs> this is a very special episode of the Song Tiles Report. This is that one Every so often episode of uh, TGIF, this is the family matters when they were dealing with gun violence. Yes. This is the uh, drug addiction on uh, family ties. This is all of those wrapped into one. Why do we keep doing this? I feel like at least every three weeks we're doing something that's just, oh, just makes me feel all weird inside. Because, Mike, more so than I feel like any other artist we've discussed, I feel like the historical importance of the music of this individual is... Maybe bigger than it is for a lot of other artists we've done. And I think it's worth it's worth looking into because we are discussing the music of Charles Manson on this week's episode. And let me tell you something, folks. Nick is so excited that I can totally see his nipples through his shirt. <laughs> they are it's just, hard. It's so cold in here, you guys. <laughs> I know. I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> he is uh, not also, hard. I think it's the light, the way it's hitting it. It's like it's it's kinda of, it's kind of at like directly on my side. So I think just Steve and Mike are getting an eyeful. Yeah. They're like um, dinner plates. They really are. <laughs> I'm very self-conscious now, you guys. No, that's Guys, good. my eyes are up here, okay? we got to focus on the subject at hand. Uh, <laughs> but yes, this week we are discussing the music of Charles Manson. Um, who And nothing else about Charles Manson. Well, I, do, I, I want to clarify... Rather than talk about the specifically the crimes of Charles Manson, which eight million other podcasts have already done, we want to focus more specifically on his musical output because this is the Song Topsy Report. Yes, I think most people kind of know he did music, but it was so integ- in- integral to who he was. It was oh, what yeah. kind of caused all of Helter Skelter to begin, because. The Tate Labianca. Because he had a message, man, and he wanted to get it to everybody. Correction: What started Helter Skelter was Paul McCartney 
sick of everyone yelling at him for being a terrible musician who couldn't write real rock music. Can't write music, can I? Uh, but yes, the Tate LaBianca murders, I would argue, began because Charles Manson, at his core, wanted to be a rock star. His music was his identity. He wanted to bring his music into the world. And it really, as you will see in this episode, was his frustrations with not being able to do that ah, that kind of caused the slippery slope that led to the murder and mayhem. And literally, the, 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 the Tate LaBianca murders, I will argue, were the death of the 60s. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, because uh, one of the biggest hippie dudes got like found out he was crazy. You know what I mean? So I really put up a... Well, people would argue he wasn't actually hippie because he was pretty racist, and that was very <laughs> antithetical to the hippie movement, but it was latched on He was him. super not chill, man. <laughs> he was not chill. I'm doing it. <laughs> oh. Understatement of the goddamn century. He's harshing my mellow, man. <laughs> basically, 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 what happened to Charles Manson is the thing that when they filmed the Reefer Madness movie in the 50s to, like, scare children uh, about the dangers of marijuana, 99.9% of that movie is bull... Or, that movie is bullshit for 99.9% of human population. Charles Manson was, like, the one person who smoked a lot of pot and did exactly what those 50s old white people thought happened when you smoke a lot of pot. Do you really think he wanted to be a rock star, though? He wanted, yes. To live he, large, I don't, fast cars. I don't cars. think it was to be a rock star, though. I think he liked controlling people. And that he knew Who does do you think rock stars do? No, they control the masses. But he, he, he we're, we're going to get into his music, but he stumbled into the most insane opportunity where at one point he was recording in the home of one of the Beach Boys and had a legitimate chance at getting his music produced by Brian and Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. There are there are several points in time that you can definitely look at. And I've actually been, uh, not necessarily privileged, but I've actually had a few of those events in, in our lifetime that I've, I've, dis- I've sort of discerned where you can... Definitely see if you believe in or or uh, accept the this particular type of science chaos uh, magic. No, um, the the theory of branching timelines and multiple worlds, where a singular event happens, where you can look at it and go, there is a definite splinter universe where something else happened, and like like yes. this is one of them where you can be like, there's definitely a universe where he succeeded. In this moment, where he didn't succeed in ours, and many people did not die, and the world turned in a different way, I, I had a I had a similar moment myself a couple of years ago in 2016. I won't say specifically what that moment was, but there was definitely a moment towards the end of 2016 where I woke up and thought, "Hmm, there is definitely an alternate universe where things were much different and better." Oh. Oh, shoot. I was about to say, if you said the opposite, I was thinking like, oh, what big event could I... Yeah, I don't know what it could possibly... I could have been meant by that. (laughs) Well, guys, um, Charles Manson's music was very personal to him. He really kind of wore what he wanted on his sleeve. But I do want to warn the listeners, I'm going to play a little section of one of his songs. And what you are about to hear is uncompressed, unadulterated evil in audio form. So if you're sensitive to that, I want you to maybe skip ahead a little bit because what I'm about to play for you guys is going to disturb you very much. So please brace yourself. Oh, garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. Why you call a garbage dump? Oh, garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. 
you call a garbage dump. Terrifying. Now, Absolutely now is, terrifying. Is this not? Now, listen. Um, so, to try to think in the mind of a crazy man for a second. What is that like for you, Mike? Now, was it he? Was it Aristotle who said a chair is not a chair? Or which? Or was it about which? Which one of those? Oh, not that was Socrates, a John Cage song. Not Socrates. Not um. Clint Eastwood. No, no. Oh, I'm talking about the philosopher dudes. You know what I'm talking about? Who said a chair is not a chair? I don't know. Why is a garbage dump a garbage dump? You think that's that, what you think I'm? That's st- what he's getting at? Yeah, Nick. Oh, it's Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. <laughs> he didn't make it to the top tier of philosophers. <laughs> I think I think that's what he's going with. Well, uh, which is but this song is pretty. It fun. it takes a lot of work to make Frank Zappa look mainstream. <laughs> so that is just one example of one of his songs. But we are going to play several more throughout this episode. But first off, we have to at least very briefly discuss how he got to the point where he was in a position to do all of this. Um, Charles Manson's early life was horrible. He he was kind of screwed from the get go. You know, some people are just belted dealt a bad hand in life yeah he he his his birth his on his birth certificate it was literally uh no name was his first name no name he didn't become charles until like two weeks later his mom gave birth to him didn't even name him later on in life uh tried to sell him at a no did successfully sell him sold him at a bar for a beer sold him for a beer to the bartender i believe and then they had to return him later on damaged goods oh my god God. And he became no a- receipt return. <laughs> that's only uh, that's only good for store credit. I think your baby's broken and it's you know gonna kill a bunch of people. But it was during day. the Christmas season, so there was an extended return period. Oh, thank God! January fourteenth, you can still return <laughs> little Charlie. Um, but <laughs> human slavery. <laughs> um, so Charles Manson, as a young child. Uh, basically very quickly became a criminal. Uh, that was how he and his mom supported themselves. He ended up um, at a young age, I believe he was 12, when he was sent to the Indiana Boys School, which was a strict reform school. Now, the two main sources that we, I kind of personally used for the research for this was a documentary called Cease to Exist, and, excuse me, a documentary, Stephen, uh, and a book called In His Own uh, In His Own Words, which was written by, technically not him, it was written by someone he went to prison with and was actually someone that Charles Manson was willing to confide in. Um, but from that book, Charles Manson claimed that the other students raped him <gasps> with the encouragement of a staff member oh. and that Manson developed a self-defense technique he later called insane game when he was physically unable to defend himself because Charles Manson was like five foot four when he was an adult. He was a very, very tiny man. Um, so when he was unable to defend himself, he would screech, grimace, and wave his arms to convince aggressors that he was insane. And then and then eventually the act <laughs> became the face. That's kind of what I think happened. The mask became the man. Fake it till you make it. Fake being crazy until you're actually crazy. Guys, like I've always said, you can't be crazy. He and, has said and that. And people know that. Yes, remember that time Mike was on that bus and talked to his invisible friend. Oh my God, I do remember. Ralph, your invisible friend. You can't be crazy. <laughs> that was a <laughs> legitimate Charles Manson moment you had. I. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm not alone. I got my good friend Ralph here. Yeah, Ralph. Ralph lasted all my jokes, doesn't Don't you, Ralph? <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, Michael Manson impression. Oh my God. Yeah, I probably stood. I don't know. Just drunk demon version of myself, let me tell you. <laughs> Charles Manson is kind of a drunk demon version of you, Mike. <laughs> only only you Christ, have... Man. Only... only. I'm not, w- you also... A, you have like a foot and a half on him. 
You also bathe, so you got that's, that going that's for true. you. That's true. You look very dapper right now. Yeah, I also didn't get raped by a bunch of my classmates. And I didn't mean it in that sense. Member. I didn't mean it in that sense. I meant in the behavior, oh, in the defense the be- technique. Oh, Although, granted, you've only said you did that once. Have you pretended to be crazy at other points to get out of stuff? Oh, Nick. Of course. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, but Charles Manson... Uh, ended up back in prison at the age of 21. Uh, he committed a federal crime, which you have to do a lot more jail time. So he was sentenced for, I think, eight years. Um, and it was there that he discovered music. He was taught guitar by fellow inmate Alvin, quote-unquote, Creepy Carpus, who was convicted of 14 <laughs> murders uh, back Jeez. in the 30s. Fourteen? Fourteen murders, yes. God. But Charles Manson learned guitar from this guy, and he loved it. He um, It immediately became his thing. He was briefly into Scientology, <laughs> of course, at one point in 1961. Uh, Back then, it was kind of like a hip, cool philosophy. It wasn't really a religion like yet. The, like the keto diet. Yes, yes. Soon the keto diet will be a tax-exempt religious organization. Well, I bet, Mark my words. I'm going to say it right now. I'll, I'll tell you. I bet he took some lessons from fucking... Uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard? Hubbard. Yeah. They're both and music Orin, lovers. That's true. And, Orin, look, and they've both been on our podcast. Because I bet he recognized that he was controlling people like that. And then I, I don't know game, how... Game recognizes game. I don't game know how rock, I think game aware game. of it Charles Manson was. I think on some level that might be true, though. Yeah. He... Oh, listen. That guy was... Because he was a manipulator even at this point. He was pimping girls before he went to jail at this point. Oh yeah, dude. The he guy was, like was The guy was crazy, but he fucking he knew what he was doing, and that's why it's almost annoying that he would because he was just lying all the time, man. By okay. the way, between this, between the Scientology episode and this episode, if you find out that Jim Jones like played the harmonica, I'm not. I'm out. I'm <laughs> We're out. Be gone. We're out. Yeah. It's too close. <laughs> You'll it's do that. Close. You're gonna do that one without me. <laughs> But so Charles Manson was in jail from the years 1960 to 1967. So he basically missed the 60s. And he loved jail, actually, because he was able to play guitar, he was able to write music, and he 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 kind of enjoyed it. Literally, when they released him, he wanted to stay in prison. They had to kick him out. <laughs> he's like he's like Brooks from uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't figure out how to live on the outside. But instead of hanging himself, he... Took a different tack. We had a guy named Jamaica in Albany County who would go in every winter. Wait, that's right, Mike. You actually have some experience. That, that's that's <laughs> one other way you could relate to Charles Manson. You did spend... Well, granted, at this point, Charles Manson had literally spent half of his life in some form of that's prison. That's so crazy, And man. as crazy as it sounds, prison does offer structure. Like if they, It does. Especially since he didn't obviously have any growing up. So like to have this place where you knew... Like for some people, freedom is poison. For some, some people like don't know how to handle the ability to do whatever they want whenever they want. Let's call them Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah, some people like Charles Manson who lived, uh, you know, without any sort of idea about how to live until he went to prison. Where there were other people to say, "This is when you wake up. This is when you go eat. Yep. This is when you go do this. This is when you go do that, and you go back to sleep." That was comforting for him. Well, yeah, I. uh in one of his interviews, he would say that he, uh, when he was a hobo, he'd just go out in the park and just be like, where you sleep? And they're like, here. He goes, how? Oh, sleeping bag? Okay. Where's the food? Oh, dumpsters? Okay. And like, He's like, that was- I could just live like that. I could just be a hobo. Wait, what did you, you, you I, Before we record, you said Charles Manson was basically just a sexy hobo. He was a sexy hobo, yeah. That, that was his mystique. <laughs> that was his thing. Um, but yeah, so when he got out of prison, 
He went to San Francisco. He kind of worked his way into the Haight-Ashbury scene, which was just like hippie central. Back which is in where the... all the greatest serial killers stem from. <laughs> you know, we've discussed before that San Francisco in the 60s was just like the hotbed for cult leaders and serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what that was happened where, up there? Man? Well, something happens when you uh, destroy your minds with uh, CIA-designed drugs and then have a bunch of unprotected sex. Oh, my God. Look, I'm not a prude, guys. I'm just saying we tried it, and that's what happens. <laughs> but this is where Charles Manson met the first few members of what would later become his family. Uh, and then he went to L.A., um, where he picked up such family members, which they later... Became, which, came dude, to were they going for as. some taboo kind of stuff with that? Or do you I think don't they just. Meant- so many of the people who joined the quote unquote Manson family were just either outcasts or people um, who were kicked out of their homes or who, you, who were runaways. Do you and think, they felt like they found a family do you think, together do you think that may- they just had sex with at all times. Do you oh. think maybe there's like a. There's definitely a scene cut out from the movie Forrest Gump where like Jenny hooks up with the Manson family for a while. Oh, because there's there's uh, that scene there's that scene where she's like on the street playing the, the the guitar in the '60s and like a weird scraggly looking guy shows up in a VW Bug, opens the door and said, "Hey, we're going to San Francisco. You want to come with us?" Sure, and she just jumps into the van and then deleted scene. All of a sudden, she's in DC. <laughs> what happened between those scenes? That's what I want to know. So he. Ended up going to L.A., and he, this is where he picked up most of the members of his family, including uh, Patricia Krenwinkel, uh, Leslie Van Houten, Charles, quote-unquote, Tex Watson, and Susan Atkins, who would all be later implicated in the Tate-LaBianca murders. He was able to relate to them basically, like I said, because they were disaffected with society. They, he was able to relate with them in that sense, in that Charles Manson kind of got fucked over by society, and a lot of these kids were feeling the same kind of feelings. And so he and was they wanted to have them. sex with them. Yes, and that's so creepy because he was... He was a uh, dirty hobo. <laughs> well, he was like 30, and these kids were like 16 to maybe 19. Like, they were very young. But he's really short, so they couldn't <laughs> figure... They didn't They didn't think it was anything wrong with it. Oh, is that the, is that the senior? <laughs> Just like, is this, you see that kid that... Oh, he's one of the... Yeah, I saw He got held back a couple of years, right? <laughs> Oh my God! You think he was the guy just hanging out in the school parking lot? He never went to school, so no. <laughs> no, but no, not when he was going to. Hey, school. Hey, you need to go to school to hang out in the parking lot. I'm talking like out of jail, just going like as a hobo into school, just be like, hey. I'm pretty sure you schools kids wanna, don't. You kids want to do some drugs? I'm pretty sure even in the '60s, the school system doesn't allow hobos into the school grounds. Not- You're acting like people can't just be hanging out in creepy corners around bus garages. I get, you're right. I am. That's why they made the rules now, Steve, is because of people like Charles Manson stealing their kids from high school. But guys, this is the part where the Beach Boys get involved. Because Dennis Wilson, Steve, you were talking about earlier how there were points there there there, there were points where fate intervened and there were two specific timelines that could have gone in either direction. One of those was the moment when Dennis Wilson decided to pick up two female hitchhikers. In uh, 1968. As you do. Because he, uh, Dennis Wilson was the drummer for the Beach Boys. Uh, he was kind of a party animal. He, Just a handsome, he, a handsome His fella. sideburns. A party Holy animal, shit. you say. Hey, Nick, how'd he die? Um, He drowned in shallow water after drinking and jumping into a pier off of his yacht. They said the cause of death was shallow water drowning. In other words, he, he was just so drunk that he kind of just 
passed out on the surface of the tram. Oh, my God. Watch yourself, Mike. What a stupid way. I'm on the sober bus right now. (laughs) Mike is. Not train. Bus. (laughs) Yes. Where Ralph is on. It's a rough, it's a a bumpy ride. Yeah. But he was kind of the party animal of the Beach Boys. Uh, Basically, if anyone was to pick up two hitchhikers off the street to have sex with them, it would have been uh, Dennis Wilson. Yeah, definitely not And that is... (laughs) Brian was too busy being mopey and eating chicken sandwiches. Um, and that's exactly what Dennis Wilson did. He picked up these two ladies. Uh, he had sex with them at uh, his... That's all he wanted, just to get a three-way. He well, said... he got more than that, Mike, oh, because yeah. these ladies couldn't stop talking. He got chlamydia. <laughs> Actually, most of the family got gonorrhea. So, But, you know, I'm sure it was, a, it, was a, it was a hodgepodge. It was like a potluck of STDs. A Petri dish, if you will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, there's got to be. Oh, let's make a sketch about a potluck. That's where you bring your STDs in. A CDC level four containment vessel, if you will. But these ladies could not stop talking to Dennis about God. They had met God, and his name was Charlie Manson. Oh, Charlie. Because Charles had Charlie Charles Manson. If you've seen interviews of him, and we will play some later, uh, he he's captivating in a car wreck sort of way. You can't look away from he's, him. He's, he's, I made this point to Nick earlier, he's, he's Rasputin, um, He has Rasputin of, eyes. He has Rasputin eyes. If you look aside, there are some pictures, not every picture of Rasputin, but there are some pictures of Rasputin where if you put him side by side with Charlie Manson, you will see very similar, like, not eyes in a physical way, but like the, what, what their eyes make you feel, basically. They have the same sort of ability to penetrate your soul. So Charles Manson has restless leg syndrome eyes. Yes. Because that's what I feel when I look at them. They're just like... like they look. Like I'm making Charles Manson facial expressions. There are people exactly who can't see. They're the, they're, the eyes, they're the eyes of people who have, according to them, seen the face of God, and it drove them mad. So... Uh, so one of the people who was there, one of the people that Dennis Wilson had sex with, was Patricia Crinwinkle, uh, a.k.a. Big Patty, because all of the Manson family members had nicknames. Um, so at this point, there's two kind of diverging storylines as to what happened. Uh, Dennis claims that he left his house to record for the Beach Boys, and when he came back to his house, he found Charles Manson and his whole family camped out there. Because at this point, Charles Manson and his family were just living uh, in someplace called Spawn Ranch, uh, which was a movie ranch, basically just a filming location, just kind of living there and loitering. And when Dennis Wilson came back, they were all living with him there. Um, Charles claims that they that it was a little bit more amicable and that they hung out, man. You know, they they did a joint together, they shot the shit, and then Wilson invited all these twenty hairy, smelly, basically homeless people to stay with him. Yo, I'm tight. Which one? Be Manson definitely just showed up. But then I think I Wil- believe that. I think Wilson had such low um uh what are they boundaries? He had very little boundaries. Once again, of all the people to just be like, sure, a bunch of gross homeless people want to stay over. Why not? Because Charles Manson had a lot of girls with him. Yeah, and <laughs> Dennis ever, Wilson was all about that. Did you ever make that real rookie mistake of inviting your uh your like pot connection into your house to hang out? It's a little like that. Steve, you think after the fifth time you would have learned your lesson? I know. (laughs) I mean, so I've heard. But they basically became friends despite all odds. Uh, Dude, he was was getting him laid all the time. He was getting him drugs. drugs. He was getting him laid. And just because, like, Charles Manson was a a hobo, he wasn't, like, an idiot. 
He probably took showers in this place and stopped smelling so fucking Wilson bad. had a great quote about that, actually, Mike. Because he, he said um, about... Because Charles Manson also obviously stated that he was a musician and he was going to change the world through his music. Uh, and Dennis Wilson said of him at one point, quote, he's dumb in some ways, but I respect his methods and have learned from him. Oh, that's the way I think about you, Mike. Oh, <laughs> wow. I, you guys really keep comparing me to Charles Manson right now. I don't know how I feel about that. You're a charismatic leader, that's all. That's, that's all Charles Manson was. There's no other baggage associated with that. But most importantly, Dennis Wilson thought that Charles Manson had good enough musical ideas and talent to maybe do music with him. Uh, he actually said at one point... Nick thought we should do comedy together. Is that a little weird? Is it... <laughs> okay, don't you Charles Manson me too, mister. We're all too tall anyway. Um, but in an interview, Dennis Wilson said this was before... This was before Helter Skelter. He said, uh, sometimes the wizard, which is what he called Charles Manson, frightens me. Charlie Manson, who is another friend of mine who says he is God and the devil. He sings and plays and uh, writes poetry and may be another artist on Brother Records, which was his uh, record company. So finally, Charles Manson gets his big break. He is invited to uh, Brian Wilson's house, Dennis Wilson's brother, where they have a recording studio set up. So Charles Manson can perform his music. Now, these specific demos are in a vault somewhere. You basically can't hear them. However, Charles Manson, as some of our listeners might know, has music at, like you can let, he's on Spotify for Christ's sake. Uh, he That's his music was released now. Now for a lot of this music, uh, the one album most people might know is the album Lie, the Love and Terror Cult, which was kind of just a collection of all this music that came out after the Tate LaBianca murders. Um, this is act this album is actually made up from just like a hodgepodge of other recording sessions he did because he. he he got around um, in every sense. And so some of these recordings came from these other areas. So we're going to play some of them now, and you can maybe get a sense of what it was like for Dennis Wilson when he was there. A dissection is imperative. Uh, this was one song called Mechanical Man, which was recorded by Charles Manson and certain members of his family. I am a mechanical man. A mechanical man, and I do the best I can because I have my family. I am a mechanical boy. I am my mother's toy. And I play in the backyard sometimes. I am a mechanical boy. Charlie, 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 you know there's, there's like switches on the board, right? That you can turn up and then turn down so that like the background music sounds not as loud as you like you know that's how songs work you don't okay all right i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna do it so this is one artist where i think he legitimately didn't know how songs worked that's good because neither do we this makes me think of if there was like an improv 101 musical improv 101 oh my god mike that is so true (laughs) (laughs) tell me i'm wrong nick (laughs) oh god it's it's a it's like 10 like 19 year olds who just moved to the city at a pit 101 class who are just making little okay everyone just make, just make a different instrument sound and and then one of you is the lyricist click 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 that's what it is nick 
And how many of those improvers are usually sexually frustrated, too? I'm telling you. Well, Don't scoff, Steve. <laughs> Michael's <laughs> right on the money with this. I feel like that's a wild accusation and generalization of a group of people. Listen, as someone who did improv for a long time, I literally did a five-minute PowerPoint presentation on why improv is a cult, which is why this Charles Manson thing is, is making a lot of sense right now. I'm telling you, if Manson was around today, he would have been. He would have been. He would have been on a house team at UCB. <laughs> he would have been. I like that little funny hairy guy. I was good. I think you guys are very generous. I was just going to say that this song kind of just sounds like someone talking in a laundromat. <laughs> in a laundromat. Oh, that, like someone has some change in their pockets and it went through the machine. And he's just he's just the guy sitting there working it on you know working on his next uh, his vocals for his audition. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, in New York City, everyone is practicing their musical theater auditions in the laundromat. Uh, all a bunch of Charles Charlie Mansons. <laughs> Again, with the just rampant generalizations of people. All improvers are sexually frustrated. All musicians, all, all, all rehearsing public, all publicly rehearsing musicians are secret cult leaders. I mean, it all adds up. They all want to be Steve. Well, yeah, who wouldn't want to be a cult leader? It seems to be a really good gig that never ends uh, bad for anyone. But a lot of Charles Manson's music, as this song kind of indicates, it's it's very confusing. But g- the gist of it seems to be Charles Manson's music is fuck society. Be a hobo living on the outskirts. That seems to be his take-home point in most of his music. Was that not what the people of Rent wanted to live like? Bohemian Fuck style? the people of Rent. I, <laughs> Seasons of Love is a fantastic song. The characters of Rent, I hate. They wanted to not pay rent. That was their whole crux of their argument. If you lived in New York City, if there were a bunch of just bohemian assholes just living their dream and just living rent-free in a building and just like singing and dancing, fuck those people. Okay, boomer. <laughs> I'm the youngest one here, you I, assholes. I really look forward. I really look forward to our show being the one that ruins that. <laughs> yeah, we will destroy that meme by hook or by crook. Uh, but guys, you know how I mentioned that uh, the recordings from Dennis Wilson Studio were lost. Yeah, the only bit I've heard from that was from that documentary "Cease to Exist." Um, you can actually hear a little bit of Dennis talking. Uh, Charles Manson, and then one other character named Terry Melcher, who was a uh, oh, music—he was a music producer. And listeners, remember that name, Terry Melcher. That that is an important name later on. Yeah, and I think the song. Uh, yeah, I, I remember hearing that. And the song uh, uh, you heard this like little snippet of the the first song. Help me, Charlie! Help, help me, Charlie! Help me, Charlie! Help, help, help me, Charlie! Yeah. Get him out of my house. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a new, re- real earworm. <laughs> that was so Steve. good. <laughs> oh my god. Steve, you're allowed to laugh at that. That was funny. <laughs> Oh shit! Get him out! Get him out! Oh man, I, 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 I wanted to say this up front and I forgot to do it. I, I'm glad he's dead and I hope he's burning in hell. The Charles Manson, not Terry Melton. Charles, Charles Manson. The problem is now I'm pretty sure I'm gonna see him there. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah. So 
Can we make that that um? Unfortunately, we don't. Song? We don't have any more audio from that great no, Terry Melcher hit. That was hit. the only one. Uh, but we do have the audio <laughs> from uh, that session that he had. But Charles Manson was there, so here's a little bit of that. Let's see. Do whatever you feel like, man. Yeah. Just group, you know. Tell us when you're gonna start. We'll turn the machine on. Okay. Well, I woke up this morning and grabbed my shoes. Way I run, get the news. I looked in the paper, first thing I saw, my baby bend down to see the law. Hey, I mean, don't rush. Yeah. You know, it's hard to sing in the microphones. I don't feel nothing for these microphones. <laughs> Giant phallic symbol pointing at you. All my latent tendencies are just. <laughs> Forget we're even here, man. What are you nervous about? <laughs> just blow your soul, hey, man. Well, look here, let me explain something to you. I just have to groove on it for a while to get used to it, man, you know. He's just like, he was a diva. It's a, I guess, yes. It's just, he literally, he didn't want to have a microphone in front of him when he was recording his music. It's like, what can a producer do? Oh, I don't know. This reminds me of a certain Jonathan Cage. You know what I mean? Oh, just, Jesus. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong. You know, he's even worse tell than me. Manson when you think about it. <laughs> he really is. At least Manson was playing music. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> I mean, in that very specific point, you're right. With we, the narrowest of blinders that. on, if you just you ignore right, all <laughs> everything, ninety nine percent of this, yeah, fuck Johnny Cage. <laughs> How have you said fuck John Cage before you said fuck Charles Manson on yeah. this episode? Oh no, fuck Charles Manson too. That guy's an asshole. But Charles Manson, he, he <laughs> he's dead, and I hope he's burning in hell. All right, all right, yeah, yeah, the reason we uh, did this episode now is because it was. Uh, just a little over two years ago oh, that he uh, died. Yeah, he's dead. He can't come after we us now. We are celebrating his death by living in his memory? No, <laughs> we're, we're, we're celebrating his death by making dissecting, his life meaningless. Yes, by dissecting his shitty music. And fucking shitting on him. Yes. Oh, wait, yeah, we gotta say more bad stuff about him. Let's, let's... Yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> I bet his feet were dirty. He was a dirty hobo. Oh, you yeah. don't have to bet that, Steve. That's all but guaranteed. I doubt he wore shoes even when he was recording this. Um, but yeah, he was kind of a diva, and he couldn't be produced. And I think part of it was also that his whole family, quote-unquote family, was there. He brought he brought some of his girls to be backing vocalists. And I think he, he took everything so personally. He saw being produced as like an attack on him. And he had trouble dealing with that. And that was hey, a man, contain, don't contain. Yeah, hey, man, how dare you try and help me fulfill my dreams, man? The quote he said in his book, in the book, in his own words, was, "They didn't quote. Uh, they didn't let us perform as I thought we should." But you gotta make sacrifices in this business, Nick, and you, everybody knows that. So shame on, shame on Charles Manson for thinking he was above that. Everybody. Make sacrifices because it makes it a better product. You got to listen to what you know the professionals want. Yes, I, and that's the thing. Charles Manson, he was able to get twenty people to just live with him in a bus. He was able to live in Dennis Wilson's like mansion essentially for months. He's able to do all this, but when it actually came time to perform, he couldn't do it. He didn't have the chops. And when you hear his music. I don't want to say that he wasn't a competent musician. Like, maybe with an extra little push and some producing, he could have become a semi-successful... Producing's folk. just another word for selling out, man. <laughs> oh, I'm not a part that, of your system. You're saying that facetiously, but that's so true. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't let himself be produced, and basically, he became uh, increasingly difficult to work with. He would bring knives to Dennis Wilson's home and like wave them around. He was just becoming increasingly erratic to the point where uh, Dennis Wilson was becoming skeptical about wanting to work with him. But God, you know, I start. I feel like everyone in the industry is an insane person. When I'm really thinking about it, now. you ha- you would have to. <laughs> Dennis Wilson had to have been so divorced from reality to think that it was a good idea to have Charles Manson live in his house. But no, but you're you're looking at that. You're looking at that with the view with the benefit of hindsight. Like we, as people who live in the now, cannot disabuse ourselves of our knowledge of who he was and what he was about to do. At that time in that place, you and especially given the fact that it's that decade and in that particular part of the country, it was the sixties. It's in the sixties in California. You can't like you can't look at that as a person from twenty 2020 twenty or twenty nineteen and judge them based on that because there was a bunch of that shit going on. Like you can't you can't unless he was a psychic and was just like, oh man, I just I just dropped LSD and witnessed you becoming a horrific cult leader. You got to get out of my house. He's just a like grungy dude that amongst other millions of grungy dudes that lived in that part of the world. You know, and this this stuff is happening all over today. You know what I mean? He was essentially a trafficker. They were they cuz they he convinced these people to give him everything and then they relied on him. And then they relied on eating out of dumpsters. I think they were brainwashed, man. I I mean these were these were young kids. And that's what a lot of people the, argue that Charles Manson brainwashed these kids to do what they did. He was you, he was in his how old was he? He was in his early thirties at this point. Yeah. Okay. So imagine a thirty year old get a bunch of drugs and booze to these kids that are in high school. Yeah. And then kind of like convincing them to, to hang out and stuff. Well, and then next and then like they want and then all of a sudden because he's like charming and he's good looking, that he's able to like convince them to give him stuff because they suddenly believe in nothing. Oh yeah, because he would espouse random philosophical mumbo jumbo. Ate out of dumpsters and lived out in the middle of the desert. That's in- uh, it's insane to me. It, it's insane to roughly ninety nine percent of the population, Mike. and it slowly oh, became my. insane to Dennis Wilson. He ba- he eventually severed contact with Charles Manson. He's like, this is a little bit too much. Not before he did every single sex position in the book on <laughs> yes. both receiving and taking. <laughs> like, yes, he went through the entire- apologies to the Wilson estate. Uh, Courtesy of the Song Times Report, LLC. Uh, we uh, we uh, heartily apologize. Uh, our views do not necessarily... The views of the company Dapper Devil Productions does not uh, reflect... On See, we don't have time to read the whole disclaimer. <laughs> the, 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 the fine text is three pages long. But now, a fun historical tidbit. Uh, the Beatles... Not the Beatles. The Beatles will come in later. The Beach Boys <laughs> stole one of Charles Manson's songs. Which then goes to say, Nick, was he that talentless? Oh, no, there was a nugget there. So that song that Charles Manson originally did was called... Round, round, get around, I get around on dune buggies. It was... (laughs) 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 Yes, Charles Manson did love his dune buggies. Uh, But Charles Manson wrote a song called Cease to Exist. And I would argue, as objectively as possible, it's one of his not bad songs. This is a little bit of Cease to Exist. Is he saying it or the Beach Boys? This is Charles. Pretty girl. Pretty, pretty girl. Is 
ceased to exist. Don't add a tune. Just a little flat. Come and say you love me. Who's playing? Oh, Give up your world. Come on, you can be. I'm your kind. Oh, your kind, and I can see. Walk on, walk on. I love you. Oh, you mean surf to exist. <laughs> Why did the Beach Boys call it that? Instead, they called it Never Learn Not to Love. <laughs> oh, man. Fools. Oh, was it from Pet Sounds? That sounds like it's from Pet Sounds. No, it's from 2020. Uh, so, so uh, listeners, you just heard Charles Manson's version of that song. Uh, after Dennis Wilson severed contact with him, paid him a little bit, um, he basically took the song and repurposed it for a kind of so-so uh, Beach Boys song. This is what theirs sounds like. Yes. Who did you think was better? <sighs> oh, yeah. Well, here's oh, the thing. That's, that's, here's the thing. About, and you know what? I think he knew that. You, no, you know what? <laughs> you got a grade on the curve. The Beach Boys didn't murder anybody, so I got to say their version is better. <laughs> but the thing uh, for me about what the, about in the narrow scope? The thing, Steve. The thing about the Beach Boys for me as a band, I've I've always loved the Beach Boys. I've always been confused by their excessive use of tambourines because it makes every song sound like a Christmas song, despite the fact that it is being told during the summer at a beach. I don't know. The only Beach Boys album we had growing up was their Christmas album, though, so I'm a little biased. A run, red reindeer, bum, bum, bum. Christmas comes this time each year, just like every other time of the year, oh. Brian. <sighs> Stay Love tuned. Stay tuned for next month's episode <laughs> yeah. of the Song Top Report. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, we could do the Beach Boys. That'd be great. <laughs> you really bookend the Charles Manson episode. <laughs> but so uh, Charles Manson was pissed by this because he felt your word is your bond, and, and the Beach Boys were messing with his message. Given given his facial hair and lack of height, I'm assuming Charles Manson pissed off looks a lot like Yosemite Sam. Vasey, <laughs> Vasey. Oh my god, just dye it red. And he yeah. had guns at this point. He could have yeah. been shooting them in the air. Because they were they were <laughs> run it tootin' damn it, run it, run it, run a fragging rabbit. Cause the Manson family was stockpiling weapons and stolen cars and stolen credit cards at this point. So yes, they may have had Yosemite Sam style weapons. Um, but weirdly enough, Terry Melcher, who was there for that initial recording session, uh, had not severed contact with him at this point. And he still thought that Charles Manson had potential. Like, he still thought that there was maybe, like, a nugget of a good idea there. Um, even though but around- they didn't pay him, right? They didn't give him shit. <sighs> well, that's... Charles Manson insists vehemently that he was not paid for what was promised to him. Uh... That is that's the music biz, babe. That's it, babe. You gotta, you know. You are your dough. You're a dough in the woods, like Charlie Manson. You can't expect any different kind of treatment from the music biz, babe. Uh, but don't take our word for it. Here's a little bit of Charles Manson's thoughts on that. When Brother Recording Company from the Beach Boys was taking music that was coming out of the penitentiary and singing in 
for him meant threaten their accountant, threaten to kidnap Dennis Wilson's child, threaten to blow up their car. Still, though, natural storyteller. So, yes. now, now. <laughs> Give him that. He could totally be full of shit. He's almost entirely full of shit. He is. But, to play... Oh, I don't know why I would Don't... Have you're going to play... Liter- Char- you're wait, about to literally play devil's advocate. To play Charles' advocate. Yes, go ahead. He's got a swastika on his forehead right I'm now. I'm not... I'm... Okay. I get that. And he... But you know what? A lot of people were fucking racist back then. And they are today. It's fucked up. Ugh. He's a fucking murderer. He trafficked young girls. He's a bad man. All that... All that shit... Still got him into the studio at the Beach Boys. Yes, yeah, somehow through sheer Because I'm luck. telling you, this guy, this guy was, he's hes so crazy. He's speaking his mind on every level. Everyone was well aware of where he stood on the race war. And I don't know if they were at this no, point. They, I think they he would, I think he was, I think Dennis Wilson knew. Well, because I, what, what, because they would talk for hours. But what? the race war thing was a was a was a story of convenience that he told later. I think there may have been so facets of that. Do you not think he was an actual Nazi? Oh no, I mean I'm oh, pretty no, no. sure he, he had racist views. I'm just saying like the whole like the whole uh, like cockamamie like cartoon level plan he came up with to start the race war. I don't think that 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 doesn't smack of planning. Uh, the the reason I'm playing devil's advocate is based on the music and based on the fact they stole a song. And based on the fact what he's saying here, I don't think it's totally out of the thing for them to be like, this guy's a fucking crazy hobo. There's no fucking way anyone would be- like believe any rational person that isn't out of their mind is going to believe this guy because he's crazy. I think they could have taken advantage of. I don't disagree with that. I think he could have been taken advantage of. They're like, okay, he may have had some good song ideas maybe somewhere, but he's out of his mind and we can't write his music. I mean, it's classic Let's, big corporation. Oh, yeah. Is it not? I mean, that would be what they would do. That That's what I agree with. Um, in terms, I'm sure some latent racism kind of came out, but the specific helter-skelter race war theory was, I think was just espoused on his followers. When Because... Also, lots of people get screwed by the music industry on a yearly basis, Mike. They don't then orchestrate the murder of nine people. Do you think they've thought about it, though? <laughs> <laughs> this has made me I will say this this the research on this has made me wonder so I won't name names but let's just say egomaniacal musicians and band members that you might be aware of if they hadn't become famous musicians would they have lost their fucking minds it's tough it's to just say. food for thought listeners food for thought food for thought literally, Every- literally anyone I could name right now for comedic effect would sue the shit out of me <laughs> That's why we're in, that's the only, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not naming names to keep it like fun and ambiguous. It's so we don't get sued. Oh shit, that's funny. Um, but yeah, so, so what I think, I just want to say, I'm not, I am not a Charles Manson advocate. 
I just wow. Things you probably thought you'd never have to say on a podcast. I just I I really like to stick it to Big Corpse for fucking no. I, I, yes, over. I think you can look at specific aspects of Charles Manson's story and say he was definitely screwed over there. But don't lose. But we don't lose but track don't lose of the big of the demon he was. Yes. Of course not. This guy was a manipulator, a liar, and an asshole. And that's. Well, yeah, because our listeners might be aware of Helter Skelter and what that was. What I think that was, based on the research I've done, it seems to be people think that the whole race war thing was a response. Basically, Charles Manson's family, quote-unquote, was kind of just waiting around for him to make it in the music industry. And when it seemed like that was slipping through his fingers, he was kind of grasping for anything to keep his family together. Oh, man, I'm never going to make it big in the music biz. How am I going to make my way in the world? Murder. <laughs> but Terry Melcher gave him one last chance. Terry Melcher did actually visit uh, Spawn Ranch once again where Manson and his family were living at the time. He visited them on June 3rd to hear some of Manson's music, uh, but apparently was not overly impressed and paid them $50 for their time and walked away. Uh, now, it, regarding that, it was Manson kind of auditioned for him on the ranch with some of his family members. And this I did not know until we started researching it. After Charles Manson got arrested and was on trial, the family members who had not gone to jail or were on trial recorded their own album of some of his music where they did their own arrangements for it. And here's the scary thing. I listened to it. It's not bad. (laughs) But there's one song. He was just a songwriter at heart, guys. But he there's one song in particular. There's one song in particular they did that creeped me the fuck out. It was um called "Get On Home." It's got this folksy kind of repetitive theme to it. Um, but there's one lyric in particular which, if you know the court case specifically, uh, should freak you out. So this song came out in 1970 when Charles Manson was on trial. Get on home, If you see the children with X's on their heads, better not look at them or soon you will be dead. You might recall during the trial, Charles Manson carved an X onto his forehead and many yeah. of his followers and family members in solidarity did the same thing. And that's them essentially threatening to kill anyone who looks at them. But that was kind of to give you... That's, that's It's fucked up. It's that's so fucked. fucked. But that kind of arrangement is what I imagine... Uh, Terry Melcher heard when he went to the ranch. Now, Mike, I, I, I would argue it wasn't necessarily a bad decision of Terry Melcher to not sign them. Could you imagine being on a ranch surrounded by a bunch of crazy, smelly hippies who all have had gonorrhea at Dennis Wilson's house for like the past couple of months performing songs like this? It just sounds culty. I don't know if it sounded culty at the time. Once again, I don't know, if, Steve, if it's just hindsight, but this just sounds creepy. And it, then obviously the lyrics well, those, don't help. Those lyrics were very creepy, but... Nick, God, in the in the artist industry, are they not all, you know? There's an oxymoron. <laughs> the artist the industry. Artist industry. The artist industry. Listen, you know when you're when you're focused on the art, you don't get a lot of money coming in. You know, 
That's why a lot why, of a lot of kids in the city that are going to acting school live in like or improv classes or improv classes live in apartments for five six people. You know, that's and, true. I uh, never did that. Listeners, I have upgraded. Well, I never lived in an apartment with five other guys. Uh, <laughs> listeners, hey, Nick. I I have I have moved up in life. I went from living with in a five bedroom apartment, which is basically just a small town, to a three bedroom apartment. The goal, <laughs> listeners, if you ever come to New York City or any big city, I guess, um, try to remove two roommates every time you move apartments. That's the goal. You start with like seven or to nine. You go down to five to three to when you're living by yourself, maybe with a pet. I bet you'd be very excited then to get on home, get on home. But those, so, those are the ones that didn't go to prison. Those are the ones that didn't go. Well, so there was one follower named uh, Lynette, quote unquote, Squeaky From. Oh yeah, Squeaky From. Oh, oh, Jesus squeaky. Christ. Oh Mike, you'll like this story. So uh, she was not present for the murders, so she did not get arrested for that. She got arrested in 1975 for pulling a gun on President Gerald Ford. What? She had thank, t- thank God he fell down the <laughs> stairs or that bullet would have hit him. <laughs> no, the gun did not go off. She sur- she was sentenced to life in prison, uh, but she got out in 2009 and is currently living outside of Syracuse in upstate New York. What? She's only she's like seven years old now. She is currently living not terribly far, like a three hour drive from where Mike and I were from. Oh my god, I was there. She's the one selling pies on the she's road. One, she's one of the vocalists in this song. I think she's the one who actually said the X's on the heads. Nick, that was her. Nick, we. Uh, oh, you're so you're telling me. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that we're doing a. Charles Manson episode when there's a Manson family member that lives just like a few hours north of here. I'm no, like, I'm not, Mike, like, Mike, we're not going to go interview Squeaky From. We're not going to do that. Oh my that. God, what a great guest to have on the podcast. <laughs> Please call her up. Call her up. For the love of God, do not do that. What if she listens to the podcast already? You never know, Nick. Do we have Syracuse listeners? Jesus We've Christ, got, Nick. You know what? My family got tons of that. I'm blaming you. <laughs> if that's the case, Squeaky. Stop listening to this show. We don't want you. Mike, listen, we did a Scientology, we did two Scientology episodes with nobody coming after us. I think we'll be okay. Also, and I'm just going to pick at this a little bit. Who who looks in terms of like the wide range of people in power and leaders that you could target as the focal point of all of your rage against the system? Of all of them, who picks Gerald Ford? Who goes, "You know who's really fucking me over?" Jerry Ford. Fuck that guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm right here. I I made you I made you some soup. So, Fuck you, President Ford. But it's chicken noodle. I think you'll like it. Whoa, maybe and then he fell down the maybe stairs. Maybe she just really hated the car. She was a Chevy person, you know? <laughs> you thought she was just very confused. Wait, that must be the hey, guy who made Ford. My- Fords, I'm taking down this Ford right here. And she was, she, she went after Nikola Tesla, but he's like, okay, he's and dead they, already. He, but boy, oh boy, he just he dodged a bullet. And then they had they had that summit with Premier Subaru. <laughs> yes. And Prime Minister, Prime yeah, Minister Toyota. From, yes, from Japan. Uh, so, guys, the Japanese make a lot of cars. That's the take-home point from our Charles Manson episode. Uh, so Terry Melcher, her, the Manson family, was not impressed, but apparently there was talks originally not only to make an album, but to do a documentary on Charles Manson's life, because at the time, they were looking at him as like this guru and like hippie whisperer. 
Like basically, this is someone who's tie who who's who understands what like the hippie generation is going to. So they were going to do, do a documentary with him, but apparently, quote, Melcher declined to sign Manson. There were still talks of a documentary uh, being made about Manson's music, but Melcher abandoned the project after witnessing his subject become embroiled in a fight with a drunken stuntman on Spawn Ranch. <laughs> so Charles Manson are just beating the shit out of a stuntman who is also on the ranch, and Terry Melcher's watching this like, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> so Terry Melcher... Uh, oh no, God. Do you? Th- this is a fucked up question. This is a safe place. The Mike. first one of the episodes. Do you think if Manson was more of a early two thousands celebrity, he would have gotten a reality? TV Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, one thousand percent. Probably made off with a lot of money. Keeping up with the Mansons would oh have been a show. Oh my God, Nick! There would have been a Squeaky From spinoff. That would have been like the Khloe Kardashian one. He would have had an episode at the Playboy Mansion. Easy. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yeah. You, we literally just covered Kim Kardashian recently where she went into the recording studio. There absolutely would have been cameras following Charles Manson in when he went to Dennis Wilson's studio. I wonder if people wouldn't have died. That's, a, that's an interesting timeline, you know? Once again, there's so... Because there, he's a bad man. He's a bad man, Nick. There's so many parts of the story where fate came He's in. a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Just talk about Manson. <laughs> uh, Isaac Hayes, what, what are you talking about? Steve. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? I'm never going to get on SNL now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Podcast of the downfall of every potential SNL cast member now. So Melcher was not necessarily happy with this. or He was not happy with his music. Um, and so he walked away. Um, but f- this is now, this is a clip from the documentary Cease to Exist. This kind of talks about uh, what happened after Melcher turned down uh, Manson. Terry Melcher come up to the ranch and made some promises to a lot of people he didn't keep. It had nothing to do with me. He gave me $50. I gave it to the old blind German. Guy who ran the ranch. One morning, Meltro awoke to find that the telescope kept outside the house had been moved to the far side of the deck. No, I don't like this person's voiceover. This was one of the family's creepy crawl expeditions. Oh, the creepy crawlers. The members of the family would dress in black and go into strangers' homes in the middle of the night, creeping and crawling, and Hand stealing upside down what to regain their belonged superpowers. to them in the first place. Perhaps, yep. perhaps the correct word would not be steal, in their mind. That was a good reference, Mike. <laughs> I... I... That's like a real deep-seated fear of mine, just to like wake up and all of a sudden there's like a complete stranger in your in your near your bed, like on the. I I actually read uh, there's a a website every Halloween they like collect their readers like scary true stories things that happened to them and yeah. one of the ones from this year was someone who well, there was a couple of them actually of like waking up to seeing like a complete stranger like in their room at the foot of their bed staring at them so like that creepy crawly thing i didn't know about that i didn't know they did that that's that's terrifying well and it terrified terry melcher and he moved out of his uh the apartment or the house i guess he was living in which was one zero zero five zero uh and then is it pronounced cello or cielo i've heard it pronounced two different ways in all documentaries and i do not know and I don't want the true crime nerds to come down on me. But I've heard Cello Drive. What, and I'm telling you, he didn't fucking tell nobody what was going on. I think he just left. 
like why would why would well here's the thing so so I, I didn't even mention this, but Dennis Wilson straight up abandoned his house. He left it to he <laughs> yeah. left it to the family because he just said, "Fuck this! This is a sinking ship," yeah. and he just abandoned his house. Uh, the bathrooms alone. Oh my! I, oh, you can you see gonorrhea on a toilet seat? I just want to know. You you just want to burn the whole thing in nuclear fire? You can't bleach out hippie man. There's no, <laughs> you can't bleach out hippie. No, you got to use. You got to use a you got to use a, a light mixture of vodka and water. And that's for Charles Manson to drink. Uh, no, Charlie, that's cleaning fluid. Yeah, but it's so delicious. But so Charles Manson, or Charles Manson, essentially scared away his two contacts in the music industry. And I, I, I think I briefly mentioned Charles Manson threatened to kidnap I Dennis Wilson's called, son, and I, Dennis Wilson beat the shit out of him and threw him out of his house. I remember at one point Dennis Wilson said something along the lines of like Charles Manson kept harassing the Beach Boys accountant saying you owe me money you owe me money and Dennis Wilson said so sue me and Charles Manson was like I won't sue you I'll blow your fucking car up <laughs> like they're like okay this guy's a special breed of batshit crazy and they had the money and the means to just get up and go and to be honest if I had the money to I probably I would want to confront it I would just be like I'm just gonna move someplace else where he doesn't know where I live but they should have paid him the money they say they claim they did, and Charles Manson claims they didn't pay him everything. Oh, they he say he didn't. They say they paid him, and he totally looks like a trustworthy guy who knows where his money is. <laughs> I, maybe it's all the drugs. That's a safe ass- uh, assumption, I, I would say. I would actually be more assuming that the drug he gets the drugs through other methods, and any money he gets just straight up disappears. <sighs> like nobody spends it on anything. It's just like, oh man, what ramshackle bunker did we leave that big? <sighs> Like coffee can tin full of money. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's so many. It was it. It was it the one that we burnt down last week. I hope not. He didn't believe in rent. No, he did not. Just like I don't believe in the musical. Um, but you don't believe it exists. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> Fake news. Um, so speaking of rent, uh, Terry Melcher stopped paying it at his current address and moved. And Charles Manson at this point was like coming day after day to, to ask for his money. And one day he came, and he was greeted by someone at the door who said that uh, Terry Melcher didn't live there anymore. And this person who greeted greeted Charles at the door was um, Sharon Tate's personal photographer, who informed her, who informed Charles Manson that this was the Polanski residence at this point. Uh, oh man! Which clears, which clarifies one big point that some people argue that Charles Manson claims he didn't know who was living at that address on the night oh. he sent his minions there, which is bullshit. He absolutely did. Absolutely. Now, we kind of toyed around with what Helter Skelter was, and very simplified, Charles Manson was convincing his followers that there was an imminent race war that was going to happen between blacks and whites, essentially, and that the white people were going to lose the... So what was, gonna, what was going to set all this off was there'd be a series of murders of white people. This would cause white people to go crazy and blame black people, Black Panthers, just just the civil rights movement, essentially. And and you don't need to do a lot of prodding to make white people go crazy. We're such drama queens. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. It's a very nice way to put it. That's my word of the day. Uh, <laughs> so many drama queens in the story. Um, so there was going to be a race war. Charles Manson and his family were going to hide in the desert and wait for it to blow over. White The whites would lose this race war. And all the black people would rise up 
But Charles Manson argued they wouldn't know how to govern themselves, obviously. And so what would then obviously logically happen was that Charles Manson and his family would crawl out of the desert and all the black people would be so happy that there were white people to show them how to govern because they couldn't do it themselves. And so Charles just Manson... Just the ramblings of a just the ramblings fucktard of a, lunatic. Yes, the I, ramblings <laughs> of a fucktard lunatic. I could not have said it better myself. But when you have a whole bunch of drugged up kids who've been hanging on to your every word, they lapped this up. So Charles Manson was like, hey, we gotta go to the desert. Because the family at this point were getting antsy. Some of them wanted to go to London. Some of them wanted to live in LA. And Charles Manson like wanted to keep them all together. Control with fear. Yes, exactly. Control with fear. And music. And music. And... Well, think about uh, so so music. What uh, who who the fuck uh, who let all the kids with the flute? Pied the Pied, 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 Pied Piper. Pied Piper, man. He was a Pied Piper. He was a '60s Pied Piper. Yeah, that's true. That's net that that connection's never been made before. Congratulations. Oh, made a million times. Okay, fine. Fuck it. But no, you still. I didn't hear it in the documentary I watched. <laughs> Um, so this is the part, listeners, that we won't get into in too much great depth. But suffice to say, on the night of August 8th, 1969, Manson directed uh, Tex Watson to take Susan Atkins, Linda Casbian, who was actually a fairly new member of the family, and Patricia Krenwinkel to Melcher's former home at 10050 Cielo Drive in Los Angeles and kill everyone there. Um, and at this point, it was Sharon Tate who was living there. Along with oh. Jay, uh, Jay Sebring or Sebring, um, Sebring, Ab- Sebring. Yeah. Abigail Folger of the Folger, like of the actual coffee company. She was the heiress to the Folgers. Wojciech Frykowski, um, who was visiting her, and Stephen Parent, who was just a poor kid who just happened to be there on that night. Um, Manson family killed everyone there, including Sharon Tate, a uh, very famous actress from the 60s who was eight and a half months pregnant at the time. And this was not planned well. It was not planned it at all. It was probably, it was apparently, a mess. Apparently Charles Manson said it as like an offhand comment, like uh, like Melcher's place. Like basically they were supposed to be instigating Helter Skelter. This was supposed to be the start of instigating the race Unfortunately, war. none of those harebrained, unfocused children knew how to spell Helter Skelter. Well, actually, that came the following night of August 9th, 1969, when six family members went to the home of Lino and Rosemary uh, LaBianca and killed both of them. That was where they wrote Helter Skelter incorrectly. At at Sharon Tate's place, they wrote Pig... and once again, we won't go into the details of the murders. They're I, I horrible, they're grisly, they are. and they've been covered before. And I don't want anyone to take it the wrong way, but these people were dumb. They were dumb. But Half of them were tripping out of their mind during the murders. They're tripping, they're crazy, and they're like, they're, ah. Oh. oh yeah, I didn't mean to disparage pot, by the way. It was, it was most likely LSD. I'm just... <laughs> Very long story short... Eventually, it took a stupidly long time for them to piece together that a, they didn't even piece the, the, the LAPD did not piece together that these two murders were connected for a very long time. Um, these murders happened in August. Charles Manson did not finally get arrested until December, and it wasn't even for he wasn't initially arrested for the murders. Oh, that's right. Uh, but eventually, he was arrested. Trial of the century takes place. Charles Manson. There was a lot of trials of the century in the twentieth century. But I mean. Co- <laughs> I would argue, objectively, this was the one that had the greatest impact on American culture. But- oh, American culture? Okay. 
Specifically, yes. Specifically, American culture. No, I mean Nuremberg trial. No, okay, never mind. <laughs> Touche. Uh, yes. I win. American culture specifically. Now, Charles Manson was sentenced to death. Uh, 1970, but a year later, the death penalty was outlawed in California, so it got downgraded to life in prison. Way nice to go. move, libs. <laughs> <laughs> Damn dirty liberals. And they're not letting the state kill people. However, the last... Yeah, li- it's true, though. Think about it, Nick. Sometimes you just gotta get rid of... The, you know, people are fucked up. They just gotta go. <sighs> yeah, we're... appealing to a very uh, dark uh, part of me, Mike. Let's... Let's... Guys... Let's put everything we've talked about for the last hour or so to the side, and let's have a real in-depth, informed conversation about the death penalty. <laughs> let's not. Although the the tangent I do, the last little bit I do want to mention about Charles Manson's music, which I also didn't really know, uh, he recorded quite a bit of music from prison. Yeah. Uh, he most of them are bootlegs, like like a tape recorder snuck in, and it was just him recording with his guitar and himself. Um, but. One of his, this was actually an album that was released. Uh, Charles Manson, live in San Quentin, uh, which is a prison he spent a lot of time in. I'll bet you some CEOs helped him do it too. It wouldn't surprise me. Now, when I thought, when I heard, when I saw the album's called Live in San Quentin, it's not, it was literally him performing by himself in a prison cell. It's not like he got up on a stage in front of the entire. He's not Johnny Cash. He's not, yeah, this is not any fulsome prison nonsense. I didn't even know you were allowed to have guitars in prison. I don't know how he got it all together. I'm. But this is a little bit you of You certainly what... wouldn't get one in county jail. No, Mike, you didn't, you didn't get Industrial a... prison. I don't I didn't there was no guitars, no way. Yeah. That's Why? as What's... contraband as you can get. Why? What's could what could possibly be deadly or weapon like about a string instrument? <laughs> Where although, the strings are made of metal. Although, Mike, would not the most impressive cavity search be someone finding a guitar? Oh my god. Nick. Maybe a ukulele. It just, it just folds a lot, Mike. Maybe, it folds a lot. Maybe a ukulele, maybe. Maybe a ukulele. More like a pukulele. No. No. <laughs> oh, Nick. No. <laughs> I don't care what anyone thinks. Mike and I... I'm proud of myself. Mike and I give that a, a hearty four thumbs down. <laughs> and we're monsters. Yes. I love how we're talking so about Charles Manson this episode, but you just said, but we're monsters. So I do just want to play a little bit of some of the music that Charles Manson performed uh, while in prison because it's, I would be honest, it's anticlimactic. Like you expect pr- a prison, a bootleg prison album from the most evil man in history, quote unquote, to not sound oh, like no, this. Oh no, I'm pretty sure there's some runner ups. <laughs> <laughs> What's this one called? So as the hour goes on that I'll spend with you That's what the song's called On this tape recorder mind brain I see the thing spinning round and round This is stream of consciousness It is, seriously, listen Got this radio from a guy called Sonny Or Sony Like this is from that same improv musical class. <laughs> Br- Brick, Tell me I'm wrong. No. Brick, are you just looking at things around the office and saying that you love them? It's funny. The the uh, the guy, um, well, what's his name? Stephen Kaplan, who was the original distributor of Charles Manson's mate album, uh, "Lie: The Love and Terror Cult," the one that most people know. He said about this album, he wrote. 
quote, kids buy this thinking they are going to get devil worship music, but when they get home and find they have an album of mediocre folk songs, a lot of them are disappointed. You don't say. So Charles Manson... I I wager that mediocre folk is the most evil form of music. (laughs) Because you're already not listening to it for excitement. And if it's not great on top of it, you're like, it's like torture. I want to be a UCB teacher and have a Manson class, and it's improv folk music. <laughs> Mike, you could honestly, I think, maybe do a pretty good sketch show about Charles Manson at an improv class. Like, what if what if he didn't go to San Francisco, he went to Chicago and met Del Close and just started two in Second City? And then, and then he's on the second season of SNL, and he is killing it. Oh, sorry. Oh, so, Nick, shit, 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 shit. I didn't mean it like that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Charles Manson, musical guest, Charles Manson. Oh, man, he doubled, he hosted, and did the musical guest? Yeah, he's a real Donald Glover. timeline, I can't tell if it'd be better or worse, you know? As long as he didn't kill people, I'd say better. Yeah, it would have been better. Everything sounds better when Don Pardo says it. Don Pardo. Oh, my God, this could be, it could be a beautiful movie. It could be. Maybe a tasteless movie, but a beautiful one. <laughs> I think, if anything, today we've proven that we shouldn't have anything to do with this subject ever again. No, listen, he's a monster. It's terrible. Everything that went down is fucked up. And and the, the and people who were murdered really honestly missed that. I'm just, I'm sorry. Looking yes. at alternate versions of universes in my brain here, Nick. The, no, Mike, Mike, Steve Mike, put it in there. No, Mike, Mike, you are allowed to entertain those notions in the specific context. And Don't feel that guilty version, about that. Take this alive. Everyone's not dead. It's it just would be nice because nice because um, many people because people die. people are alive and Saturday Night Live got a much needed breath of fresh air. That's a nice timeline. Um, but fortunately, <laughs> we at least live in a timeline where this piece of shit is dead because Charles Manson <laughs> died. Uh, November 19th, 2017, he essentially di- of natural causes. He died as he lived, in prison and crazy. <laughs> uh, at the ripe old age of 83. 80? You know, I swear the sickest and evilest most people always live the longest. A lot of his uh, quote-unquote family members are still alive. They were so much younger than him. They're all like in their 70s. Um, Susan Atkins died, I believe. Um, but Mike, like I said, you know, if you if you ever drive by Syracuse, you might see uh, Squeaky Fromm. The good die young, and pricks live forever. Um, she's not related to the person who came up with the Atkins diet, is she? I hope not, for their sake. I think I want to dig into that. Hey, if the Susan Atkins out there diet. The Susan Atkins diet is um. You want to dig into this wholly made-up thing that you just started talking about? Her Atkins diet is actually just dumpster bagels exactly. from the Price Chopper. Yeah. It's, it, it's dumpsters and belladonna roots. That's the Atkins diet. I can't tell if that's in bad it's taste. Saving Hollywood, but I know the food tastes bad. <laughs> Guys, I don't think we can release this. Steve, no, that's okay. That made what Mike just said made it all worth it. But guys, that <laughs> that is our retrospective on the music of Charles Manson. Movie idea. No, 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 no. No more move? movie ideas. No, no, no. Move on, move on, move on. We're at the end. We are at the end. <laughs> move and thank closer you. to the end. <laughs> and speaking of the end, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Of the Charles- end of the podcast. Yes. 
of Charles Manson's music. Um, guys, check out Dapper Devil Productions. We have a new podcast on our network, which is very exciting. Ooh, and I this bet, one's dope. And I bet they don't want us advertising for them anymore. I think this is the best episode that we could have used to help promote their podcast Absolutely. for the first time. No, it's called uh, Working in the Wings. It is a podcast where uh, two people who work in the... Um, who kind of work behind the scenes in theater and movie production, they kind of discuss what it's like for that. Like, they work in the wardrobe and makeup department. So if you're interested in uh, theater and whatnot, but more behind-the-scenes stuff as opposed to all the glamorous actors like the one I'm looking at now who get all the credit. I think you mean former actor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's great. One of the the most recent episodes, they had Jesse Eisenberg on to interview. Eisenberg. So go check it out. Working in the wings um, on Dapper Devil Productions. We just put it on the front page. So please check that out. And you can also check out all of our stuff on social media at the Song Topsy Report. And you can check me out personally on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier and Mr. Mike Russell. Yes, you can find my stuff on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.dot. And uh, like Nick said, yeah, definitely check out our stuff. Leave the reviews, five stars. Send send in the song requests, please. I think we got a. Are we going to have one more before the end of the year, you think? I don't know. It's almost Christmas time. Oh, no. We'll, get, we'll get a Christmas episode or two. With yes. It. Yes. So, I meant, like, well, the there can't possibly be any more bad Christmas songs. Oh, 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 contraire. Oh, my God. And we got enough listeners to send in a bad Christmas song. I wonder if we can do a listener submitted Christmas. Mike, edition. I will happily discuss Christmas shoes again. No. No, Nick. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. Um, and why don't you send us what thing you would change in your perfect timeline? For your you yes, know. yes. Let, let's 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 find a positive way to look at this alternate timeline theory. I agree. And uh, Steve, where can we find you? you? Can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo on the Dapper Devil Productions website. <laughs> oh, he's hurt. Um, uh, you can check out a web series that I participated in called On the Line at uh, onthelinewebseries.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's great. It won awards. Yeah, won, won some awards. Uh, it did. Yes, yeah, re- won a bunch. And that's uh, on my resume now. Um, nice. And uh, and yeah, just uh, you can check me out there and uh, where <laughs> where all CDs are sold. I don't know. <laughs> What? Where CDs Who are buys CDs now still? Oh, I actually read an article that uh, for the first time in like 30 years, vinyl's outselling CDs. Yes. Ah, uh, you know what? I just bought a record player. I'm contributing. You know what? You know why records are coming back? Because they it's sound so, better? It's so much... No. It's because it's so much fun to see it spin. It makes you feel like you're engaged with your music. I don't... Do, I agree. It, you're, get, you're buying an, an aesthetic package in addition to the music. And it's really fun when your cat gets on it and it's just going around and around and around. Exactly. That's why everyone buys a record player yeah. for their cat. Um, so yes. Cat scratch disco fever. Oh, God. That's no Ted Nugent references. <laughs> Listen, we've discussed enough monsters today. Um, but, Stephen, thank you for that. Uh, and, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. I am Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm wishing I had just kept walking. And we will see you next week. Take care.